To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? I got a brand new pod for you. So this week I have back on Jimmy Herman. Uh, I've really enjoyed getting to meet and getting to know Jimmy, and and this podcast is just a great conversation. Uh, Jimmy's taught himself how to be, you know, super a super talented musician and 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 successful, and and through that it's taken, you know, hard work and discipline and dedication and. And like I say on the podcast, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And he he has this same approach to his hunting. He's always trying to improve, and and he's always trying to get better. And and we start the conversation talking about elk hunting and and talking elk strategy and thinking outside the box. And then we talk about mule deer hunting and spot and stalking and and talk about executing under an intense amount of pressure and and just a great back and forth. I really enjoyed the conversation. I know you guys will enjoy it too. Sponsor for today's show is Sitka. Uh, I'm using Sitka gear exclusively for my hunting, and I'm using it, you know, pretty much for all my fishing and trail running, anything I have to do outside. They just make technical mountaineering gear, and they make a system for for every different weather condition you're going to face, whether it's the hot early season and 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 you need to keep cool or whether it's you know mid-season or, or hunting alaska where it's supposed to rain the whole time which is pretty much what i'm looking like this time going up there um or, or you're hunting the late season cold weather um they just have a system for all of it and it it's lightweight and packable which is good for backpack hunts um it, you you get great performance out of it. I love their camo patterns. Right now I'm hooked on the subalpine. I love how it blends in and in, in every different habitat from tans to greens to high country. Um, I also like their their Optifade open country. It's it has a bunch of a grays in it. Blends in really good in the rocks and up high above tree line. Um, yeah, just great, great camo patterns, great gear, great company. Uh, their new line this year is their Apex hunting system. Um, I really like it. Uh, going to be using it up in Alaska. I love the pants and I, you know, I love the hoodie. Um, I feel, I feel like they were designed for me, but they're a great all around for, for Sitka system. Um, so Sitka hunting gear, make sure to check them out. Over there at Eastman's, uh, we're all getting excited for season and planning our hunts and uh, getting everything dialed in. Um, I did see a promo the other day on Instagram. $20 will get you a subscription to both Eastman's Hunting Journal and Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal for a year. 12 issues, like under 2 bucks an issue, and you get the MRS in that. Um, which, which gives you all the information to hunt out of state, which tags are, are good and, and where you can find game and, and expectations and public land and so much more. Um, but just a great magazine. Uh, make sure to take them up on that offer. That's a steal. And uh, with that, yeah, just getting ready for my hunts. Um, taking off soon here, flying out. Uh, just trying to get some podcasts loaded up and ready to go. But let's get this thing started. This is a, a great conversation with, with Jimmy. Um, Jimmy Herman, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Hey, Brian. Hey, good morning, Jimmy. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Well, um, yeah, thanks again for um, agreeing to being on and taking the time. I sure appreciate it. 
Hey, you got it, man. What time is it there? Is it like 6.30? Yep, 6.30. Oh, wow. You're an early riser. Well, just getting started with my day here. It's um, I know. It's Thank Friday. You. I don't have too much to get done, um, you know, recording, and then um, finally getting some landscaping done here at my house. I built this yeah. house, um, like, all evenings and weekends, and then me and my family, we've been living in the dirt for two years, you know, <laughs> so we're finally right. going to have a lawn and a little landscaping, so we're excited for that. Right. It's like, after a couple of years, it's like about time to get something done, right? <laughs> Yeah. Not like you haven't. Not like you haven't been getting stuff done, but it's like, fine, okay, I'm ready for it to be over. Let's get it. Let's get it finished. Yeah, it's so the truth. I should have just done it when I was doing the house, but you just spend so much on your house. You're just like, oh, I'll do the landscaping yeah. next year, and then that next right. year turns into the year after, and pretty soon you're just living in the mud, and you think, God, I gotta, I gotta get a yard where me and my kids can play a little bit. Right. It's one of those things where it's like, ah, oh, it's not really high on the priority list. And then you don't realize that it's not even really a priority until it's like, okay, this is really annoying because, <laughs> you know. It, well, it is, yeah. Well, and, um, you know, I just always got to think that house is the best place to put my money to, but it's always tough to take on that extra expense. But um, right. it, it's like the best investment I have, you know. So mm -hmm. you just stick it in and, and you end up, you know, your house ends up being worth way more than you spent on the landscaping in the end. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, 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 cool. Um, yeah. How was your season last year? Um, your Idaho elk hunt? How did that pan out? And uh, I didn't. I didn't get my bull. Um, we got in on bulls every day, but um, they were. We were hunting from uh, above, and we just couldn't pull them up. And I tried to get below them, and I got the closest I got was thirty yards to a herd, but the cows were bedded, and uh, the and the bull was bugling like I mean he was you know, maybe 40 yards past these cows, but he was out of sight. He was going nuts, but I had a wall of cows and that's as close as I could get. And then, you know, they winded me and that was it. But it was, uh, it was fun. You know, definitely bummed. I didn't, didn't get my opportunity, but it was fun. I mean, we heard bulls every day. Man, um, yeah, that's all you can ask for is being in that rut is so thrilling and exciting, isn't it? And those those elk are so big, but they are so challenging, like one of the most challenging animals out there because like during that rut when they're vocal, you know, mm -hmm. you, you don't just have to beat that bull. You have to beat all those cows like you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a chess game for sure, you know. Oh, a total chess game. And like you say, so you played above them quite a bit. And then finally, it sounds like you said, heck with it. There's a good approach below them there. And you were able to sneak in and get really close, like kind of thinking outside the box. But then that wind probably swirled as it does in the mountains. Oh, constantly. man. Yeah. 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 It's one of those things like you, you know, when I mean, you know, like when you're getting when you're getting in on something on a slope. On a, on a slope like that, it's like your time's limited, <laughs> you know. It, yeah, like, I mean, you, you got you got to be patient, but eventually the wind's gonna shift, and you know, so it's a ticking time but, bomb, isn't it? When you're getting close yeah. to animals, it's like uh, you don't know how long you have, and you do have to be patient. But you're right, you got to make something happen because you just don't get that much time that close to animals. Right, right. It's kind of like you just, I mean, you really. You really rely on, on your skill set and I guess experience, right? To go instead of like, oh, be being super patient, right? Because it's like, yeah, you have to be patient, but you also have to be aggressive to a point because it's not you don't have all day for it to 
come together either. So, yeah. you, so, so you're patient, but you're also like, you know, you're using your logic from experience or whatever your skill set is as far as like stalking elk. So, man, yeah, that, man, that is the balance, isn't it? It's, it is. um, yeah, you, like, you, you try, it's such a fine line. Like, if you're, if you're too patient, you let opportunity slip between your fingers. And those elk, it seems like they're always moving. And I'm like you, like, I feel like you gotta hunt elk fairly aggressive. Like, you can sit back and watch them, you know, every single day, you know, and, and think you're gonna wait for them to make a mistake. But for me, like, I just gotta go into, go get into them, let my instincts take over and just see if I can make something happen. But that's how I hunt elk too. I like I, I try to get as much in my favor as I can. But I hunt yeah. them aggressively, like it sounds like you do when you're out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things. Like, yeah, when when you know when when they're, I mean, when, especially when you can hear them, right? Which is uh, amazing, right? The perfect situation. Like you can hear them. The thing is, they can cover a lot of ground real quick. You know. So either if you're ahead of them or you're, you know, behind them a little bit, it's like you got to really cover some ground. Even if you don't hear them, it's like, well, you have to you have to be aggressive with it. Um, they're always moving, and seems like they're always walking uphill. Elk love to go uphill, don't they? They're just mm-hmm. built yeah. for it. Yeah, and that and that's the thing I just couldn't understand. Like they were super vocal and they were moving through, but I could could not pull them up. You know, could not get them to come up. Oh man, so um. You'd get them to respond back and forth quite a bit and interact with them, and you'd keep kind of creeping in and trying to get closer, but they wouldn't pull up the this hill you were hunting them on. They right. almost wanted to stay down in the bottom in your case is, is kind well, of what you're saying. Yeah, and, and I mean they were all with cows, right? So the like the bulls real vo- real vocal, so I would go down, and I'd take a decoy or whatever. I had a, I had a buddy I was hunting with. He would, he would come down with a decoy, and we'd start calling, and it's like – they wouldn't move a lot, but they were. But once the, you know, once they knew we were getting closer, like the bull, the bull was aggressive. You know, he was vocal, but it's like the cows were kind of pushing them back down the mountain. You know what I mean? They've kind of got the sense in the situation, don't they? That time of year. Yeah, they, you know, it's kind of like, well, this is our bull. Like, you know, like you need you need to stay out of here. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, and a lot of times I play it like you did when you came below them. Um, you know, sometimes you can't get any closer to the bull. You've got to almost stalk the cows and then right. just kind of get close and then kind of just let things happen and hope that bull comes to your side of the cows or chases a cow around you. And it, it works out a lot of times, but, you know, more times than not, I mean, it is it's, – it's trying to bow hunt, you know, uh, a bunch of eyes out there and a, a great big bull that's switched on. So it doesn't work all the time. But that's a lot of times my strategy too is just getting yeah. close and then let stuff happen. Yeah, I mean you kind of – I mean for a while you go off of like, well, this is this is like standard, right? It's like standard operation for elk hunting. And then once that stuff's not working, it's like, okay, well, you take whatever approach you have to take to try and increase your chances. You know what I mean? Because um, – for one, the season's limited because it's really a month long, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing, if you're if you don't live where you're hunting, your time's really limited. So uh, it's like you know, for, for me, it was like the first couple of days. I'm like, okay, I'm just going with like standard operation, right? 
to make it happen. And then it just wasn't happening, wasn't happening, wasn't happening. And then it's finally like, okay, well, whatever it takes to get in on them is what we're going to have to do. Whether that's going to the next draw and going an extra hour and try and get below them. You know what I mean? Just to, yeah, like even if, and it's like, well, even if, even if they spook, at least you tried something different because what it was doing before wasn't working. That's so funny. It's so, um, such a chess match, like you stated earlier. And uh, yeah. it is like, as humans, our biggest advantage, you know, over our quarry or over what we're hunting is intelligence, you know, and some of us more than others, but you know what I mean? Like, it's intelligence of that game plan and like um, strategy. And, and they are so difficult and so challenging. That's why we love it. It's it's so so difficult to to tag out on a bull elk, you know. And and um, but you you gotta you gotta keep theorizing and think outside the box. And it seems like that's the way your brain works too. Is that's the way I work? Is like a the standard stuff isn't working, and all of a sudden you right. gotta come up with a new strategy or a new game plan. And I like what you said. Like even if it doesn't work, at least I thought of something different and tried it. But it's amazing, like how many times that'll pan out whether it's elk or mule deer is just you know instead of trying to like you feel like you're almost beating your head against the wall to keep doing the same thing right it's like yeah well right yeah, yeah you, you just it's not working like i can't make this work to keep calling them up or whatever the scenario is and so you just come up yeah. with this this new game plan and this new theory to to cut them off or to come below them or to well, call different or getting closer or different sounds or whatever the case but man i think that's a lot of solving the puzzle of, of western hunting is doing yeah. just what you were doing like thinking yeah. outside the box and trying something different yeah you have to cuz i don't know how i don't know how you are but i mean i've read how many umpteen articles on whether it's elk hunting white tails mule deer whatever but the, the I've never I don't know that I've ever been, you know, in the mountains or in the woods, and been like had had an opportunity to come up and go, oh, I read this in a magazine and this is and I did exactly what the article said and it worked. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's almost like to me like reading like like reading people's experiences in articles is like stored in like your subconscious, right? So you kind of have that as like a uh, I don't know, like you, it's like a subconscious, your subconscious runs like scenarios, right? As the, as your, uh, you, as you're hunting. Um, but, but then, but then it's like, sometimes it's like you, you get a, you get a bull or whatever. And it's like, I don't even know how that happened. Cause he did completely opposite of what I thought he should do. Or, you know what I mean? Um, I do know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like what you're talking about is like all that, you know, it, it's good to hear information and read information and it can shorten your learning curve. But you're right. They never follow this script of what you've read and what you do and you make the per perfect move. Like you don't know what the perfect move is when you're there. You just try to make the, the best one you can. But all that information that you've read or heard on a podcast or learned, it, it does help. And it's stored, like you said, in your subconscious. And then I think – you know, that goes in and kind of creates your instincts and then your instincts yeah. dictate what you do under that scenario and what 
really affects your instincts are experiences. Those are the ones that that leave a lasting impression in that subconscious. Uh, you know, last time I did this and I screwed up, or last time this happened and it it worked out or whatever. But yeah, all that information is kind of stored in our brain somewhere that goes into our instincts that kind of dictate the next move we make on the animals. You know. Well, well right, and you know, and the other thing is like if you can maintain a visual of the animal i mean it's like you can read his body language or you can see like if these calls are working or what what's pushing them away what's getting them riled up whatever but when you're i mean the the nice thing about you know if, like elk like if at least if they're vocal you have a chance and you can you and you can kind of go off of their vocal vocal you know vocalizations to a to a point but if i mean if you can if you can see an animal it's I can't say it's easier, but at least you can um, – uh, it's – your ch- I feel like your chances are a little are better as far as like playing that animal. Oh, you're so right, Jimmy. Oh. Like it stacks the odds more in your favor. You, you read their – like you were saying, you read their body language and you read their reaction to your calls and you, you kind of see whether they're on the move or whether they're feeding and – and elk, you know, having five feet of antler above their horns, you can you can almost tell what an elk's doing by looking at his horns. You see which way he's turning. Is he looking at me? Is he looking at his cows? Is he moving? Um, but you're right. Like it makes um, it, it definitely stacks the odds in your favor when you can keep an eye on on your quarry you're hunting. It's it's so important. You just you you know if they're alert or if they're relaxed, if they're chasing a cow. So I'm with you, and whether it's you know it's mule deer or whitetails, do you also find like whitetails when you're rattling or calling at them? Same thing. If you can see that whitetail and read how he reacts to that call and read kind of what he's up to or or how he responds, yeah. you know, you're, you're right. way more effective, right? Yeah, way, way, way more. Because otherwise, you're just hunting hunting a ghost, really. You know what I mean? Um, because even even if you catch a visual like, oh man, there's that that buck. Like you can see him, and then he and then he vanishes. Well, you don't know what's you don't even know where he's at. You know what I mean? Or you don't know if he's you know, like if he actually is interested and he's taking his time to circle and get downwind of you. You know to check that situation, or if he's, you know, like he lose an animal or not lose it, but it's like he's out of he's out your out of your visual, and you're like you kind of get in a panic, like oh my gosh, he's gone. You know what I mean? Um. So like sometimes guys will go like ch- like right like after the after a deer and then all of a sudden they'll jump him like he'll he'll like spook behind them because he was coming around downwind and you thought that he was just leaving the country and you were just trying to catch up with him you know yeah um I in bow hunting it is I feel like if I can see him I can kill him the minute I'm I lose sight and I you know I start still hunting which you know still hunting works you just have to move slow and glass in front of you and see the animals before you but my odds go way down when i'm trying mm-hmm. to still hunt where i think a bull is versus yeah. i know the bull and i can see him right there like i can make a strategic game plan and and make a slow methodical stock and you know i'm always making sure like the cows aren't looking at me or the bulls aren't looking at me or trying to keep tabs on them but that always ups, ups my odds is just being able to see them those things and read them well right and i mean the thing is is like elk hunting seems like you really just have to hunt the cows more so than the bulls because 
you know, like my situation was like the bulls, the bulls were there and they were aggressive and it was, it was the cows that were pulling them, you know, away. It seemed like, so it was kind of like I had to hunt the cows and get in on the cows because the bull, it was kind of like, he was just kind of a sitting duck that would just scream every now and then, (laughs) you know what I mean? Man, I'm with you. Yeah. Um, it does seem that way, especially, you know, during the rut like that. Yeah. You got to hunt the cows. Um, well, and and it seems like later in the season, you get the, the bigger groups of cows and those, those bulls, it's tough to pull those herd bulls away from those big groups of cows like that. Like they got everything they need and want right down there. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And it makes me think, you know, cause you'll get, cause yeah, I mean, I had satellite bulls come in smaller bulls but you know of course you want to you want the herd bull you know what i mean so in in those in those situations like don't be surprised if like the satellite bull what you know you know satellite comes in silent i had that happen you know what i mean where he comes in silent and you're like well he's not you know i was trying to get a, a nice mature bull but like this satellite would keep coming silent right um but the thing is like for me i was hunting i want i wanted the herd bull so, um, that was, you know, going home empty handed was kind of, it was, you know, really probably could have been my choice. You know, I still would have had to make a shot no matter what, but, um, that, that was my goal. So, um, even though those cows are pulling that herd bull down, I mean, there's still satellites that are wanting to come check you out too. So. Yes. Um, well, and that's what makes it fun is, is some of those close encounters and the, you know, you kind of set your sights for a, a certain bowl or like the challenge of that herd bowl is just so fun uh, trying to get in close. And his, you know, his rack so big. I'm sure it was a nice big six point you were chasing and hearing them scream too. You know, they they got that deeper bugle usually. You yeah. know, it, it yeah. seems like it's it's hardwired into our core when they bugle. You know, you just get that dose of adrenaline. You know, and heart pumping. Right. But man, that's fun. Um, yeah, good for you. Well, yeah, you were talking about white tails. And um, I think you you referred to him as a the ghost of the forest. Um, they sure are, man. Those things are so switched on. I hunted him in Ohio last year, and I went home empty handed. And um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I passed some smaller bucks, the same as you. And again, I'm just I'm limited time, you know, that limited time where you have one week. But I, gosh, I mean, I think I did all day twelve hour sits for like seven days out there. Man, you get. Um, it wasn't even that cold, but sitting still, boy, do you get cold sitting in those stands. Oh, man. it it Yeah. I mean, I think that's the true test over anything is being able to sit and just, just you know, uh, dressing appropriate for it, layering, you know. Um, I can't tell you how important, like, the merino wool is to me because, like, growing up in Wisconsin, whitetail hunting, I mean, we, we didn't, I didn't wear merino wool and it was like, I was like a snowman out in the, out in the woods hunting. It's like, I could barely put my gun up to my shoulder, you know, draw my bow back. Um, but now like the, the, you know, the layering, layering systems are like, you don't have to have much to, uh, be comfortable. But the thing is, is like once, once that cold gets to you, like meet your fingers or your toes or something like that, it's re- it is really tough to stay out there, you know. Ah, it was you know it wasn't even you know it's nothing like it is here in Montana getting cold, but this Western style of hunting, you're always moving, you know. And so I had right. my systems and my layers down, and then I go out and uh, you know, and I'm I'm just you know 
do as the Romans do. You know, when you're in Rome, like I was uh, hunting with a really good whitetail guy that just really knew whitetails and had a bunch mm-hmm. of stands set up and had me set up. But man, those all day sits. Um, yeah, they just get to me. You just sitting sitting there. Like it, it took me. You know, I had to keep bringing in another layer every day, you know, because I just wasn't used right. to sitting in that cold. But it was fun, man. You talk about a yeah. chess match. Uh, I did see a really good buck, and you're trying to move your stand closer but not blow mm-hmm. him out. And those right. things are just beautiful. They're like um, like a spirit buck walking through the forest. You're trying so hard to see one and get in range, and then all of a sudden you do see a, a mature one. They are like mm-hmm. a ghost, you know. And same thing as we were hunting that rut where they make some mistakes, but they also they're tough to pattern, you know, when they're rutting. They're just moving and looking for another group of does and rutting them. But man, it was well, fun. Yeah. I chased a really yeah. a really big mature one that he was only like a. A really big heavy six so mm-hmm. but like you know one of those older you know five six seven year old deer or whatever but yeah. um really fun to kind of match wits and he got the better of me too like i say i went home empty-handed but i had some great encounters mm-hmm. man it's tough when you get like the like the mid well anywhere midwest out east whitetail hunting because it's all, you know, broke down in private land. So it's not like, so like for Western hunters and like, for, like for guys like me that like to go out West, it's like, all you want to do is like, just, just glass a buck and go after him. You know what I mean? Go like, go after him until you get him. And it's like when you're whitetail hunting Midwest, Southeast, it's like you're limited to your, you know, sector of whatever, how many umpteen acres you have to hunt on, you know? Um, that's another thing. It's like, it's, yeah, they're, they're ghosts of the woods, but, um, it might not be that way if you could, you know, pursue them <laughs> like you could out west. Oh, it took everything I had to not climb out of the stand and go stalk those <laughs> things different days. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey man, and sometimes you and sometimes you have to because it's like it's the same thing. Like, um, if they're not coming in, it's like, what do you have? What do you have to lose? Like, either you're gonna sit there and not see him, or he's gonna kind of come in and wind you, or or he's gonna spook anyway. You know what I mean? Like, it gets to the point where you. Like do what it takes, you know what I mean. Kind of throw the, kind of throw the, uh, the book at them a little bit, or throw it out, you know what I mean, and just try new stuff, you know. Yeah. The other thing, the other thing too is like, um, like I yeah I like to hunt and stand some, but I like to be on the ground and be mobile too, you know what I mean. Um, like I'll hunt with, I'll hunt with decoys even if it's even if it's not rut just because it might be enough to lure you know what i mean just be enough to get their attention you know what i mean or um but to me being mobile regardless of what i'm hunting is it's it's important you know yeah um well again goes back to what you were saying thinking outside the box um and it it's got to be so thrilling on the ground with those things and that's how i hunt whitetails out here in montana you know, as they're really condensed in the river bottoms and um and in those places, and I do, you know, I I do think outside the box, but it's amazing how little you can move when you're in whitetails in whitetail country. Oh man, like they're switched on, yeah. like they just all of a sudden they're blowing at you and they're taking off and you you blow the whole place up. But that's how I hunt them out here in Montana. I shot, mm-hmm. I've shot uh, quite a few does. You know, I am yet to kill a whitetail buck with my bow. It's just on my mm-hmm. list, but I get mm-hmm. one tag here in Montana. 
Montana, and most of the time I, I go for muleys. But I did get a doe last year and took out my Hawaii buddies, came over and hunted elk and deer with me, and it, it oh, got cool. rained out for like a couple days where it was just absolutely pouring. We couldn't see the hillsides, and the, mm-hmm. the elk were kind of moving around. So we went and hunted whitetails on this place. My buddy shot a nice buck, and then um, – Got my other buddy. Uh, we talk about those whitetails being switched on. So my buddy Janus is like one of the funniest stories I've ever heard. So mm-hmm. we're out hunting, and we kind of do like a like a, a modified ground hunting, you know, modified still hunting where you know we'll move on them and and make plays or make stocks. But early in the morning, we almost like set up, you know, on a crossing or on their trails without a tree stand, just kind of get ourselves in position, then let them come. And so. Right. My buddy Janus was in this good spot, and these deer were coming at him, and you know, all of a sudden he he shoots or whatever, and so um, you know, he gives the the buck some time, and then he's out there looking for blood. So we go over, we meet up with him, and we're looking for this blood trail, and he's telling us where the deer was standing, and so we're all looking for blood out there, and he shot, and he said, yeah, he's broadside, he was thirty five yards or whatever the case was, and mm-hmm. and then uh, you know, I'm looking by the fence where he crossed, and all of a sudden Janus comes up, and it's like a it's like he doesn't want to tell me, or and he pulls he pulls this tail out of his pocket, and it's a it's a white tail, you know. Uh-huh. I start laughing. I go, Jace, what happened? I said, oh, man, he must have jumped your string. And those things are switched on, man. They will jump your string and and be out oh, yeah. in front of you. Well, I, I guess this buck had jumped his string. And and somehow with an expandable, he centered that tail and shot oh the gosh. tail off that white tail. You That's know, crazy. So we all had a good laugh about it, you know. And he was saying, "Well, what what are you guys shooting at?" I was shooting at a white tail, you know. And so oh, right. it became yeah, exactly. the joke of the of the trip, you know, the, of the theme. And so that night we pull up and we're kind of glassing, you know, to see where we want to sit the next morning. And there's these three bucks out in the field and they kind of take off and their tails are bobbing. And then there's this one buck with no tail bob. And you know, it's each running away. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. But that's part of it too, right? It's just having a good time, you know, with your with your buddies as you're hunting and enjoying the whole experience. But yeah, man, we laugh so hard over that. It is, man, and it's it's tough to go empty handed, go home empty handed. But like things like that, it's like that's hunting, and it happens to, you know, everyone, <laughs> literally. You know what I mean? At some point. Um, and that's kind of why it's called hunting. And, um, but really the thing is, is like, if you have the opportunity and you can actually get a shot and say it jumps your string over, I mean, it's, you pretty much did everything right. You know what I mean? Like up till that, you know, up till the shot at least, you know what I mean? And stuff happens like that, but it's, but at least like in the, in the hunt you did, it's like you did everything right. And that's worth something, you know what I mean? It it is worth something. It's something to learn from, and like you, like I always say with bow hunting too, like you're you're gonna fail a bunch. It's a prerequisite, you know. You're you're gonna fail on your stocks. You're gonna miss shots, and then sometimes, like you're saying, you get everything right, and yeah, you, you have that thing, you know, jump your string, and, and all of a sudden you miss, and it was kind of out of your control. But I always try to just embrace the experience. I always try to think, you know, that was worth the price of admission. Like getting close, I got that. You know, my heart was beating out of my chest. I got that thrilling encounter. Like that's why I love to bow hunt. Like so, I I kind of you know I don't get frustrated or I don't you know I I 
I don't get upset at it. Like I just, you know, I kind of chalk it up to hunting and hope the next one works out. But I'm always happy for the experiences I get in the woods and those close encounters. Yeah, I think those things are, you know, it it's built into our DNA as well as as hunters. Mm-hmm. Like we've been hunting for you know two hundred thousand years. Like there there's something in our blood that just gets us excited when we're close to those animals and trying to harvest them. There's no feeling like it. Right, and it's like. Um, what was I going to say? It's, it's one of those things like if you have, if you even, even, if you even get within, I'm, I'm not even bow range. If you, if you have an experience with a mature, you know, buck or a, or a bull or whatever, I mean, right there, it's, it's worth, like you said, like it's the price of admission. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, uh, yeah, like if I have a, a missed opportunity, like if I, you know, if I rattle in a whitetail and, you know, he catches my wind and takes off or something like that, or, or he's behind some brush and it's like, he's within bow range, but he's behind some brush. It's like, you know, and I just don't get that shot. And, um, I think the toughest thing for bow hunters is, especially if you're like really hardcore and like, say if you're like living out West and you're elk hunting and you're like hunting the whole season, right. Um, and you have a bull come in. I'm I'm saying like he's he's within 20 yards and he's hung up in some brush or something, and it's like, and the whole thing doesn't happen. He takes off, and it's like you beat yourself up because it's like I, you're like I've hunted the entire season for this one opportunity. You know what I mean? It's really easy to get bummed out and really and really take it hard, right? But the thing is, it's like man, you got to sit back and be like, okay, well that was. Um, man, just to, just to call in a bull that mature is a, is a big thing. Cause a lot of guys can't, you know, don't do that. Like for, for me, some, I've got <laughs> some guys tell me like, Hey, you, you've got like a horseshoe shoved up your short somewhere. Cause you're always seeing stuff. I'm like, how can you not when you're out? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like to some people it's obvious, like where, you know, the like, mature animals go. And somebody, I think some people just naturally have that instinct or whatever like that part of their dna where it's like they just you just kind of naturally gravitate towards uh where bigger animals might travel i don't know i mean that's probably a really weird not right way to say it but um you know and a lot of it is luck right but i think some people just have that instinct of like that can decipher where bigger animals would travel to you know, more mature animals will travel than others. And, um, but like, it's just that experience there. Like last year I had a really nice whitetail come in within, oh man, he was like seven yards. And it was that thing, like he was right behind some brush and I had a decoy. I had a decoy monitored on, on my bow and, um, he kind of, he kind of was racing right past me through some brush and I grunted and he stopped and he turned, he saw that decoy and he turned around like he was going to come in. And of course there's this big pile of brush between him and me and it didn't work out. I didn't even get to draw on him and he took off and I was like, beat myself up that day. But I was like, dude, he was with, you got him in with seven yards. You know what I mean? And it was like that, you know, that little piece of brush to me, it's, uh, I considered it a victory. So, so, and then I tuck it in my, like in my toolbox of, you know, a skill set toolbox or whatever. And I kind of, I kind of run that scenario over and over. And, 
um, hopefully I'm going to apply what I learned last year to this year, this season. You know what I mean? Whether it's like, hey, this is the mistake I made. I'm going to make sure I don't do that again, you know, or whatever. Man, um, yeah, I, I love your approach, Jimmy. Like that's how – that's that's how next level bow hunters think about it, like analyzing things like that and what I could have done different. And hindsight is always twenty twenty, and sometimes there's nothing you can do. But yeah, if you if you put the ego aside and look at each encounter objectively, how you could have done it better, or where you made a mistake, or how you'll do it next time, like that's how you improve and and become yeah. you know a better hunter yet. And and, yeah. and you're learning from those. And then I find like the other thing too is like you have to you have to believe those instincts and believe in yourself. Like sometimes. Okay, say you you make a mistake and um, like I've made this mistake multiple times, so I'll have a a win that's a little dicey, and I'll move in anyways, and then I'll get winded and I'll get busted and I'll think, gosh dang it, I knew better. But mm-hmm. but the difference is is learning from that, making that mistake, and then the next time you're faced with it, going. I'm not going to move in and screw this up again. Like I, I'm going to wait for a better opportunity or I'm going to circle around or I have to have a better wind or I will get winded because I've made this mistake how many times. But, yeah, learning from our mistakes and learning from our encounters. And you also mentioned like um, you know, you get that close and you don't get the shot. It, it is a little disheartening. You know, you've worked so hard for this close encounter and to try to get in bow range, and you were finally there, and you may have worked for five days to get inside bow range, and you got that mm-hmm. piece of brush where you don't get the shot. The one thing, you know, you did right is you didn't try to force your shot. You're waiting for the right opportunity. And, and then when that animal spooks or when it gets away and you don't get the shot, like bow hunting will take you to its highest highs. It'll also take you to your lowest lows. And, and that... You know, losing that encounter and losing that opportunity, it does. It makes your psyche, you get kind of low, you know, and so that's where you kind of got to say, you know, hey, I, I got close. I can do it again. Like all I can do is keep trying. All I can do is keep going. The next encounter, I'm going to get it right. And, and looking at it with that attitude and keeping positive and, you know, you you come away, you know, really enjoying the hunt and enjoying that counter. But I know what you're saying, man, like getting that close and not having it work out, um, it it – it uh you know it it puts you down into a tailspin or kind of into a low you know into a funk it seems well right and the thing is is like i mean you have to like if i mean for, so for me i i love bow hunting like i love every aspect about it you know what i mean um and i'm like i'm eager to learn always you know what i mean so it's like to, yeah i like i beat myself up to no end right like in that in that window of time when I'm like really bummed out, like, yeah, I, I beat myself up and be like, I'm, I should have, I should have did this or I, sh- I wasn't patient enough here or there or whatever. But then once, once you let it go, it's like you just assess the situation and just tuck it away. And hopefully the next, when the next season comes around it, that what you've taken away from there will, ad- you'll adjust Na- you know what I mean? And hopefully naturally adjust um, your your logic or whatever in the situation or your your composure or whatever in the in the next situation. Um, but the thing is, and the, it's easy for guys that you know either miss or go home not getting anything, and they look at guys that are like consistently killing animals. Well, I mean, it doesn't have like consistently killing animals is it's like few and far between. 
in my opinion. You know, and there's guys that do it, and it's awesome. And I wish I could be that, but I'm I'm not. I'm just gonna say that <laughs> I'm not that guy. So, um, because I can't I can't imagine putting that much pressure on myself to just be like, I have to, I have to. You know what I mean? Like, cause that to me, though, it it could take away the enjoyment of hunting altogether. Yeah, and it's just it's just it's just unnecessary pressure. You know what I mean? Um, that, that's insightful, Jimmy. Um, you're you're right. Like you, in I was that way. You know, earlier in my career, I'd put so much pressure to be successful, and now you know a part of it for me is immersing myself in the experience and in the challenge, and I enjoy that. Like the only thing I'm thinking about is elk hunting. I'm not thinking about work or problems I have, and so I enjoy that. But yeah, I'm I'm really driven as well, and I have to watch that. But as I get further down my hunting career. Like I, I'm just trying to enjoy the whole experience all the way throughout and, and taking that that pressure off myself a little bit. Like I'm still trying to harvest a, a quality trophy animal, but, you know, not having so much pressure on myself has actually helped me be more consistently successful, you know? Well, right. It is kind of funny. It, it is kind of funny that way, even like, like music for me, right, when it's like – when you don't th- when you don't think about it as much and put all that pressure on you it's like you're uh you're better i don't know how else to describe it oh, but once once cuz once you put that pressure on it's like you uh you're so hyper focused on making the right decision right move you know not this not that to where it's almost like you're stagnant and not doing anything productive at all um, and, uh, it's almost like you're setting yourself up to fail to a point. It's like, just like, okay, take the off season to practice and like read, like work on calls, run scenarios. But like in the moment you have to just t- like have faith and on your skill sets and that God's going to line it up for you today and just go with it. You know what I mean? Oh, that's I love how you correlate that to music and your love of it, and and yeah, that really makes sense as you explain it to me. Um, that that yeah, you can't be rigid and stiff and think about every string, every tune, everything you're trying to play, and kind of overanalyze yeah. the situation. It doesn't come out of you that way. Like it's almost like a flow state, and yeah. the more relaxed and loose you are and in the moment, like it just comes out of you. You know, yeah. I man, it's the same thing with a lot of things in life. Same thing with this podcast too. Too, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. about relaxing and then you yes. know letting those thoughts come to you. But if you get nervous or if you get in intimidated in the conversation like uh, you're it just doesn't come out as you as well but i I love how you correlate that to your love of music and that flow state and being relaxed and letting it come because you're so right on yeah because it's like it's like one of those things like you basically when you're when you're obsessing hyper focusing on on whatever the little minor things in the moment it's like you're trying to create a perfect world a perfect scenario a perfect performance and that pressure is setting yourself like to for me like I'm just talking to myself here. It's like you're setting yourself up for failure. Oh, not not necessarily a failure, but you're putting way too much pressure on yourself, right? Instead, you just need like just like I said, you need to rely on your skill set, the things you prepare yourself for in that this opportunity, right? Um, and just let it just let it. Ha- you're trying you're trying to force perfection in a ever changing scenario situation. Right. Like there's variables happening all the time. Wind, wind, like 
like w- how fast they're traveling, where they're traveling, like things are getting hung up on, um, whatever, you know what I mean? Like things are always changing, like a, like a bull, a cow, like their mood, everything else can change in an instant. Right. And you're trying to create this perfect, elegant performance of a situation, like to where you can make this amazing kill and the thing is like nine times out of ten it probably it probably doesn't go at all the way you think it's gonna go you know but you just have to roll with it and just let it naturally happen because the best things that happen are natural right like you said like the podcast like someone um can be like i'm gonna i i'm i'm gonna basically like copy what brian's doing right i'm gonna like because he because his thing's so so successful i'm like i just want to have what he has so this other guy starts a podcast and it's like it's not it's just not rolling as natural or whatever and they're like why is this not happening because you're forcing it rather than like Brian's already doing it and it's a natural thing like it's him it's his natural thing he's doing you know does that make any sense like you can't force things things need to, the the thing the things that happen the way they're supposed to obviously are the natural things it yeah it does and and um you know you kind of stated it there like um when when that animal comes in it's never how you plan it or it's never like you think it's gonna go you just have to be in the moment and react to the situation and look for your sliver of opportunity you know to slide a perfect arrow in that animal but uh, like you say it never happens perfect either they're they're on to you and they know you're there and they're looking at you and you're trying to make something happen there or it comes around the other way or there's a bush in front of them or you know there's so many scenarios that play out but very rarely did he read the script and give you a nice 20 yard broadside looking away like you just have to react to the situation and be in the moment it seems yeah and the thing is like i mean especially if you're a diy or a diy guy diy sorry if you're a do-it-yourself guy it's like it's hard man like honey is hard it's it's hard it's hard it's it's for for one thing it's hard to to harvest a bull or a or a buck or whatever and the other thing it's hard it's hard to bring home a monster you know like a trophy animal um especially like a diy thing so it's like man you can't like all you can do is you do your do your homework do your research um prepare yourself on the off season but when the time comes just like just hunt just you do it because you love it for one um and just let it let it happen you know just just to have faith in your skill set because if you if you're if you haven't figured it out or can't figure it out by the time you're on the mountain, like I mean, it's if you're trying to figure it out while you're hunting, it's man, that's tough. <laughs> I mean, it, it can happen, and, and yeah, man, like you got to have luck on your side too. But um, I'd much rather just go out and be like, all right, we're just gonna hunt and we're gonna do what we know to do, and that's it. Yeah, trust in the skill set. You know what yeah. what you would love too? Like we talk about encounters, learning from these experiences and, and and storing that away that goes to our instincts. What really helps the hunting the bow hunting instincts it is those encounters and those experiences and so those high opportunity hunts help so much with your skill set and where you'd really love jimmy like i'm just getting back from hawaii i've got mm-hmm. three buddies that live out there man those yeah. axis deer and and they have mouflon 
cows and goats and pigs and other things that we hunted out there. But those axis deer are so switched on, but there's so many of them. Like they figure that there's 70,000 axis deer on Maui alone. That's correct. And, and so <laughs> yeah. you go to this yeah. tropical spot, and I, I've got three of the best buddies a guy could ask for. They take me to all their spots in there, and then we, we just bow hunt. But you get so many close encounters to kind of perfect that that in tight scenario and, and perfect that stock on them. And then also, you know, I work on a lot of my still hunting out there as you're sneaking through hard, hard packed trails into that thick cover. But man, you would love that place with your bow and that access me yeah, is just awesome. absolutely delicious. Like that'd be fun for you to get out there and chase some of those axes just because you, you do get so many encounters in there. I hunted them during the rut, like in June, it was a great time of year. Um, but, but they're vocal as well. They're calling and they're chasing mm-hmm. does. It, it's a real exciting hunt and you just get, you, you get all, you get, it seems like you get years of experience condensed into a week of hunting. It's just really fun out there. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a quick one-on-one course of like, you're getting all those encounters, you know, like you learn from each of them. So, um, it's like everyone's a lesson to a point you know and out west here or even out east where you're at like another example of that would be like the white-tailed doe hunting or like maybe antelope hunting just those high opportunity hunts where you're seeing a lot of game and you're getting stocks if not multiple stocks every single day it sure seems like that shortens that learning curve or makes that connection uh of being in tune with up close and Man, it takes a while, too, where you're just comfortable in bow range. Like, I can remember the first deer I was shooting at. Like, I don't think I looked through my peep or my sight or anything. <laughs> like, I just wanted to get the air. I just wanted to get a shot. And so, like, right. I wasn't even thinking. Like, you lose your mind when you're in yes. bow range of your first handful of animals. Like, it takes, like, having those close encounters and knowing how to kind of get a hold of yourself in that moment, doesn't it? Man, it is. And, and even even – for guys that have been doing it for a while, like it's, I'll say it's different. It's like the, I don't want, I don't want to call it stress because it's not stress, but it's like that anticipation is when they're in within bow range, right? And it's like you're like, man, I hope, like, I don't want, you don't want this to screw up, you know, and you don't want the wind to change or something like that. And then all of a sudden, it's like there's another part of the whole thing when you actually are drawing, when you draw your bow back, because that's now it's, now it's, this is, it's happening. You know what I mean? So it's like that whole like being prepared thing, like just and having faith in like your practice for from the off season, you know, it's like all you're doing is repeating the things you've done a thousand times over, you know, over the spring and summer, you know, it's no different. It's it's like a performance. Like I said, like in the moment, if you're perfectly trying to like have a perfect performance, it's like you're putting so much pressure on yourself and you're creating this you're creating you're building the anxiety even more right it's like you're putting yourself in more trouble um instead of just rely on the practice that you've had and the shots you've made over and over and over and over and over and over and just let it naturally happen right um yeah, that's so it and, like just even yeah, taking a couple deep breaths and trying to get mm-hmm. a hold of yourself but you're spot on like you say like when you're getting in close when you think you're gonna get a shot that's when your heart starts beating out of your chest oh yeah yeah because you think it's intense when that bull's like coming in like 20 yards and it's like he's coming <laughs> this guy's gonna come in like seven yards or whatever you know what i mean and then 
you're all, your chest already is thumping and then it's like you draw your bow back and it just goes into like overdrive you know uh, it's funny yeah that's cool did you um i think we had talked last year um you'd mentioned that you may be coming out to montana for like a rut hunt for deer did that end up coming together no it didn't it didn't happen i i just stayed in tennessee and hunted the 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 whitetails here because i actually saw a couple of really nice bucks um in the areas i was hunting so um i i was trying to hold out for one of those bucks but Very nice chasing yeah. some monsters out there in tennessee yeah yeah man tennessee's got some nice ones oh too and the other thing is uh this year and i just read this um on the uh the Tennessee, the the fishing game, or whatever, uh, their website that they're opening the very first um, velvet whitetail hunt for archery this year in August. It's just, it's just for a weekend, but you can you can shoot a uh, uh, velvet bucks. Oh, how cool, Jimmy! Right on, you're on top of that this year, huh? Are you gonna oh, have yeah. the time in August? Uh, I'm going to make the time. <laughs> the time for the only thing. Hey, yeah, it, it the, you know two things is like actually being uh, in position and ha- actually having like a mature whitetail come through in August, and the second thing is uh, not getting eaten up by the chiggers that are out because the chiggers. I don't know if you've ever experienced chiggers, but they are oh man, they're the worst, and they're they're in full force right now here in Tennessee. Oh my gosh, that sounds brutal, Jimmy. Um, it is brutal. Um, so chiggers, no, I have no experience with chiggers. So are they? Can you see them, or are they um, they so small that you can't see them? And then yeah. what do they do? Just chew the heck out of you, where you like break out in a bunch of bites or something? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're uh, like they're like microscopic ticks, is what they are. And I mean, you, they're not microscopic. Microscopic, like you look hard enough, you can see them, but. Most of the time, you don't even know they're on you. Um, and when they bite, they it's like, it's like a mosquito bite times twenty. I mean, they itch oh. so they itch so bad, and they it lasts for like three weeks. And they find the places that you do not want anything. <laughs> oh, dude, they're they're in, they're intense. And the thing is, like, like if you're walking in the woods, like it, like if you're wearing like blue jeans or like like a khaki color or something like that, pants. Uh, like you walk through the brush and you and then you'll you'll see like it's like it looks almost like a like a dirt stain on your pant leg. Well, it's just a clump of these chiggers and they just they just uh, go off like crazy. Like and then uh, you know they'll climb you know in your boots and up your leg and you don't even know it. And then the next thing you know is like at night you're like oh my gosh I am on like I just want to blow torch and burn my skin off because I itch so bad. <laughs> <laughs> that is brutal. It's uh, yeah. there's always challenges, but that seems like a major one for that August season. Yeah, man. It's like well, th- from the middle of June to like August, or not August, but June, middle of June to like October, they're pretty thick. You know, that and ticks, man. Like it's pretty. The I mean, it's the woods in Tennessee are really thick. There's a lot of vegetation. You know what I mean? So even even to hang a stand is a challenge. Uh, I mean, to hunt out of a stand is a challenge because you really probably only have, you know, 15, I mean, maybe 20 yard shots, um, at least in the area I hunt. So, I mean, that's another reason I guess I prefer hunting on the ground too. But, uh, yeah, man, the chiggers are, that's, that's one thing I didn't even know we had 
until um, I started hunting in Tennessee because Wisconsin, we didn't, we had ticks every once in a while. You know what I mean? So it was a this the chigger thing was a whole new ball game for me. Man, that is a whole new ball game. Is there any way? Um, can you? Is there any spray that helps, or uh, what? What do you do to kind of? Um, try to minimize those those bites and then the, those getting on you. Is it around the cuffs or your sleeves or is there anything you can do? Yeah, um, I mean, there's like I'm I'm sure like the off like kind of sprays like probably work okay. Um, I don't use spray too much, but um, I mean you can like tuck your pant legs in like your boots and stuff. Um, but I mean for for me like I went out yesterday and that's what I did and I still have have bites you know what i mean so um yeah i mean i guess there's ways to try and prevent it you know like i'm always checking my pant legs for like i said those clumps of them and try and brush them off before they get to me but um it's like it's like mosquitoes it's like any bug right you get like some people like get bit up like crazy and then the next person are like no they don't bug me too bad so i don't know I think all de- all depends on the flavor of the person, I guess. Oh, yeah. I'm sure for some reason I think they'd bug me. Like those mosquitoes just seem to get me in. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, if they're going to get anybody, they get me. But, yeah, that, uh, that sounds brutal. But that early yeah. season, um, those, those big mature deer, they're susceptible in that early season to patterning. And I know, you know, mule deer as well as whitetails. But uh, mule deer, I know the two times to, to kill a big buck is that early season in the velvet and then, mm-hmm. you know, the late season during the rut. So, yeah, hopefully you can – um, kind of stay away from the chiggers and get a get a chance at one of those velvet bucks. They're beautiful, aren't they? With they're like forty yeah. percent heavier and just gorgeous velvet. I love the look of a velvet buck. Yeah, and you know, I mean, Kentucky's had a early bow season, um, and I'm I'm sure there's probably other states for white that you can hunt whitetails and get in velvet. I suppose out west, yeah, right. Yep, out west, there's a lot of spots. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, but as far as like Midwest out East, like I think Kentucky's one of the only ones, but like, yeah. So t- Tennessee just, they open like, it's like a Friday through Sun Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just one weekend. I, that they're just opening up to try it. But yeah, I mean, as long as you can find the food where they're, where they're, you know, frequenting, like a, a pretty good chances at shooting a pretty nice one, I would think. Oh, cool. It sounds like you had some good bucks last year you're chasing around. It's always nice when you know there's mature animals in the area and you're you're trying to harvest one. So some pretty nice ones on your – it's your property right there in Tennessee. Is that right, Jim? Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, the thing is, is like the, the biggest ones I – the biggest ones that I know have been out here, and the only reason I know they have been out here is because I have my camera, and it's always – they're always – they're all nocturnal. They, like the the biggest buck I had on camera last year, never once saw in the daylight. Never had a picture of them in the daylight. They were all like, you know, middle of the night pictures. Man, those whitetails, they get so smart and so switched on, so in tune. You know, and they live in smaller spaces. Like I, I look at 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 out west we have all these vast areas and tracks that we go hunt but everything Mm -hmm. like out east or hunting those whitetails anywhere it seems like it's so condensed and then all of a sudden you take this micro area and then you're trying to figure out everything on that micro area you know the winds and where you set your stands and how the deer move through there and those deer just get so smart at using that micro area get nocturnal like you say i mean i guess that's how they get old and how they get big is by being smart and not getting shot 
Well, right. And the thing is, like, uh, with whitetails, at least out, out here, um, and even, like, Wisconsin, like, when I go back and hunt the rut, it's, like, the rut, like, you have, I mean, there's maybe, I mean, there's honestly, there's guarantee one day where, it, like, it's just total chaos, right? Um, but you, there might be a window of, like, three days where it's, like, the bucks are traveling heavy, like, in daylight hours, um, and, I mean, you have a pretty good, you have a really good chance of shooting a really nice buck in like those three days. But there's, but from my experience, you have like, there's one day, like if there's ever going to be a time, it's going to be, you're going to have one day to do it in where your where your chances, it's like the solstice of the rut. You know what I'm saying? I do. That makes sense. Yeah. That, um, so, so you just keep going every day thinking that's your one magical day, right? That's what I do out last years. I'm always looking for that one day where it's right. going to go off. Yeah, and you know, I so I keep like a logbook too uh, of every season, and like I, I don't I don't hunt off of any one thing like like moon phase or barometric pressure, but I will I'll document all that, right? And then I document where I saw deer, where I saw a really nice buck, or when, what time of the day, right? And then I kind of go through each season and try and see if there's like a if if I can pattern something, you know, correlate uh, a certain window of time to where it seems like in my area where the mature bucks come through. Man, um, that's um, so smart um, and so analytical, so insightful, Jimmy. Like that is one of the the best you know takeaways from this whole podcast is to take a journal. And I, you know, I'm. I've done it, and I, I, you know, I try to be good about it year after year. I try to get better, and I, I'm going to make myself a note right now to. <laughs> I just like, like having that information, and whether you know, I'm always out here doing something, whether it's fly fishing, whether it's bow hunting, muleys or elk or whatever it is. Like you think you remember everything, but you forget, and you forget exact dates, and you forget you know how things come together to look back uh, we always call it like fish and steelhead refer back to our notes you know as like what did they yeah. do last year or do under these conditions but you, it starts to make more sense that way so if you can keep a journal of your hunting and then you just refer back to it and like if you're going like this year i'm going back to colorado to hunt high country muleys well you know a, a good preemptive you know, preparation would be to go back to my notes on Colorado, all the different years I've hunted Colorado, and just refer back to them and the conditions and what happens. But, but I think that's that's how you start becoming like this next level bow hunter is by learning from those encounters and experiences. And we think we remember everything, but you yeah. don't, man. You got to keep yeah. a journal. Well, no, and the thing is, like, even like it's season to season, if you if you don't keep a journal, well, I mean, if you don't even document it, it's like, well, I'm pretty sure. Like, you know, the seventh was the day when they were all going through. Or I think it was the seventh when I saw that big buck come through. And it was like, okay, it might have been like the seventh, but those bucks came through at like eight in the morning. And you hunted the – like, you're like, I think it came through like two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, I, I remember seeing one at like two. You know what I mean? Um, so um, – and the, th the thing is, is like to me, it's like it's learning to sm uh, hunt smarter, not harder. You know what I mean? Because uh, it's important to <laughs> like hunting. It's something like the uh, the Wenzel brothers. I used to um, have like the old VHS. 
I mean, like old, like 1980s VHSs of like whitetail hunting and stuff like that. And it was like Barry and Gene Wenzel were on there. And one of the brothers was saying like, it's easier to hunt undisturbed deer rather than disturbed deer. That's one thing I'll always, I always took away from it. Right. So obviously when hunting, like if the animals don't know you're there, you're, you got, your chances are increased already. You know what I mean? Um, so it's important, for, like whitetail hunting, to like to stay out as much as you possibly can, and hunt when you know your chances are better of those animals coming through the areas you're wanting to hunt. Because I mean, the thing is, like, like hunting anything, like hunting elk, whatever. When you're in their, when you're in their space, like you're you're leaving scent, even if you have, you know, the sprays and whatever the scent list you know, clothing, whatever, like you're leaving scent, whether it's your hands, whatever, your boots, whatever. And that's a red flag for an animal. Um, so I just try to hunt smarter, right. And just go, just look through my journal, my logs and be like, okay, well this block of time has, has produced best throughout the season. You know what I mean? And and sometimes it's like you're like it's not even the rut. It could be a certain time in September. Like I don't know for whatever reason they're coming through because there's these food sources, right? So uh, in September I'm gonna make sure I hunt these four days because the last three seasons I've documented like this this block this window seems to be a seems to produce. And then you look and go well this chunk in October seems like you know seems pretty good so i'll hunt that block for sure and then november like when i know the rut is happening i'll be like this is you know i'm hunting this so throughout one uh whitetail season i'll have three blocks that i'm going to for sure sit you know yeah the the devil's in the details and you made a really good point of keeping that journal like you might remember that the seventh was a good day but you don't remember whether it was morning or evening or you don't remember what the wind direction was or the temperature what the weather was doing or the moon phase or so you're just able to you're able to to gather so much more information or remember so much more information and so you know that way you can kind of correlate it when you're making your game plan and i i know i gotta let you go here pretty quick jimmy you gotta uh you got a lesson you're doing but um yeah man how's the music going uh the music's good man i've been really busy just uh playing touring a little bit and playing on records um i've had i've got a lot of students too this summer so um, between giving lessons and playing live and recording it's been pretty busy man that's really cool well we have um so we've got this sponsor for our show today is um sick gear so mm-hmm. I've got – they gave me like this Apex hoodie um, to give away. It's their new 2018 line. They came out with this yeah. Apex, which is like this bow hunting gear that's really quiet. It's merino wool, which you mentioned you like. comes mm-hmm. with a hood that's very, really well designed. So um, hang on right after we get off the show, and I'll get your address, and uh, oh, awesome. we'll get you that Apex hoodie and also some Eastman's gear, man. I really appreciate oh, you thanks, taking man. the time. You got it, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's been fun. I yeah. love doing these things. Oh, you're so intelligent and, and articulate, and you're so uh, insightful into the world of bow hunting. Like, um, you you do a really good job of like trying to wrap your mind around it and then sharing it with our audience. So, man, I just I really like having conversations with you. So appreciate you taking the time and being on. 
man, I appreciate it. And it's, it's even like when I'm like with music. So I learned like it's, I didn't learn uh, like probably most people did. I, I learned very unorthodox. Like I, whatever worked for me is how I learned. So like when it comes to like sharing any info or, you know, advice or encouragement to other hunters or music like musicians, it's like do what works for you. Like, yeah, use use articles and and books and videos and things as like outlines and, and some sort of guidelines. But at the end of the day, whatever works for you, like go with that. There, there's no right and wrong way as long as the end result produces, Man, in my I, opinion. I love that, Jimmy. Let's end yeah. on that note. And uh, thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. That's a wrap. Uh, yeah, great conversation with Jimmy. Um, I, I just love his uh, approach to hunting and just such a, a great back and forth. Just got me thinking, and it was right away in the, the morning. And, um, yeah, just a, a great overall conversation. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor today, Sitka. Uh, Sitka just makes great technical mountaineering hunting clothing. Um, I'm, I'm using it exclusively. Can't wait. I've got my system dialed in for Alaska, my system dialed in for early season Nevada, all the way through hunting season. So uh, make sure to tech, check them out. They just got a, a, a great fit to them, great camo patterns, and uh, just great technical gear. And, uh, yeah, with that, uh, make sure to take uh, Eastman's up on that promo offer. $20 for a subscription to both magazines. It's a steal for them. And, uh, yeah, with that, just trying to get these podcasts done. And, um, yeah, I fly out here in a couple days. So um, got my gear all dialed in. Just got to throw it in its bags and weigh it and make sure I'm not overweight. Um, there's nothing worse than when you go to check on a plane and then they start dinging you for extra costs. Like, I know it's $25 a bag, but then my bags will weigh 55 instead of 50, you know, I get dang there. So I'm always pre-weighing them and hoping my skills pretty close to theirs. Uh, but yeah, just getting my stuff all dialed in. Um, so fun to be able to go on this like a super adventure, uh, you know, like going to Alaska and chasing a different species like caribou. So um, just so excited doing so much um, map research and prep and going through my gear and um god this is just the the fun stage like a lot of enjoying hunting is this anticipation for the hunt just getting all your stuff dialed in and and making your game plan and and uh, checking everything twice or three times um i just i just, i absolutely love the process and uh, can't wait to get this thing rolling and i'm i'm looking just as uh, as forward to hunting Nevada mule deer and then after that Colorado mule deer through my antelope tag here in Montana just have a, a lot of hunting to do this season uh, it's wild how you know out west here all your hunting is really condensed into these handful of months that you got to get it in so um, just can't wait to cut these legs loose and go hit it hard um, shooting's just absolutely dialed um, legs are so strong you know I'm in as good a shape as I've ever been in and and uh, just feeling strong and ready for these hunts but I better close this thing out great conversation with Jimmy thanks thanks again for him being on and and uh, just really enjoy catching up to that guy and and I uh, can't wait to see what he does this season uh, thank you guys for all the support this will be loaded up before I I leave so I'm sure this will be released as I'm hunting caribou on the tundra. Um, I know you guys got some hunts coming up. Keep working hard towards your goals. Uh, season's right around the corner. It's going to get rolling here. So um, thanks again, guys. I'll check in with you next week.